2: Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
3: Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly twelve to roughly twelve forty-five. Join as usual in the studio with Nastasia of uh, the Hammer Lopez. How you Nastas? Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, got Jack in the in the booth. How you doing? Good. Ooh. Ooh. You hear that? Yeah. What's up, Reverb Jack?
4: <laughs> That's my new nickname, Reverb Jack. Reverb Jack. Well, yeah. you
3: switch between Reverb Jack and Jackie Molecules. Speaking of which, uh, we had a suggestion in uh, about uh, the hammer, uh, and uh, Peg- Peggy from Australia. You know, we have some we have some listeners in Australia, which uh, which I enjoy. We've never been. Have you ever been, Stas? Would you like to go? No, you don't want to go to Australia. Mm-mm. Why not? Far,
1: it and is I hate far. their accent. No, you, don't want to. Go. What are you, Booker? <laughs> so far, for an English speaking country, don't want to go.
3: Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa! What? Wait, you only want to travel for a far distance if they don't speak English?
1: I just don't have any interest in Australia.
3: Wow. I really don't. What about New Zealand?
1: I would go there before, but I no, don't have any interest.
3: I, I need to kind of know what's poisoning you against the a whole continent.
1: The accent.
3: Oh, my God. Well, that uh, fits in. Uh, <laughs> in listen, people. This is just like you, now you're getting a little taste of what it's actually like to be with Nastasia Lopez so uh, Peggy from Australia uh, wrote in she had a question but she also says that uh, we need a new ringtone for you Stas mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's called uh, I Just Don't Like It and it, the the artist it's old is a is a drag queen who goes by the name of uh, Pauline uh, Pantsdown but making fun of an extreme right wing person named Paul, uh, Pauline Hansen, right uh, who was, uh, had a political party called, uh, or still there, called One Nation. And among other things, they believed in, uh, in like, not giving the Aborigines any rights and, like, basically turning Australia into a big, like, you know, a- Anglo dominated universe. Uh, no immigration, all this other stuff. And, uh, and uh, so one of the lines from this thing is, My language has been murdered. My language has been murdered. So very, very uh, apropos. But Jack, do you have that? Can we, can we hear the I don't like it chorus? Yep. All right, what do we got? Here we go
4: me now, it means that I don't like it. When you turn my voice about, I don't like it. When you vote One Nation out, my language has been murdered. My language has been murdered. My shopping trolley murdered. My groceries just gone. I don't like it. When you've turned my voice about, I don't like it. When you've voted one nation out, my language has been murdered.
5: My language has been murdered.
4: My shopping trolley murdered. My groceries just gone. One, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, eight. Racist, rubbish. Rubbish. I, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, rubbish. Rubbish. I don't like shopping
3: trolleys.
1: Well, you know what? You can't, I can't win with this. It's like egg cup.
3: I don't like shopping trolleys. You also do you not like British people because they call their luggage rollies.
1: Ugh. And jumpers and all that. What's a jumper? A sweater.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Why is it a jumper? I don't know. It's like the opposite. You like pop into a sweater. Yeah. You don't jump into a no. anyway. Anyway, so, uh, but that sounds like it was actually her voice being used, whereas there's other versions where it's uh, it's uh, him singing as her. So anyway, what do you think? Could that be your theme song? Yeah, I, I like it. I don't,
1: I like,
3: don't it. like it.
1: Yeah. yeah, You can't hear the Australian accent too hard <coughs> in it.
3: Dang. Well, it's like, look. Uh, okay, 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 okay.
1: I know. Our accent sucks, too. Okay, okay, okay. Listen. It's the
3: like,
4: worst, actually.
1: Ours. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. yeah. Listen. Uh... <laughs>
3: Jack, back me up because you, you are you are a musical sort, right? Yeah. Uh, nine times out of ten, when no matter what language, uh, no matter what accent you have, when you sing, you pretty much sing in neutral American. So yeah, British, that's,
4: that's true. Right. So. You're going to say what's the most music? Wait, unless you're like Green Day or some of these American bands that then put on some other weird accent. Yeah, but what is sing. the Green Day accent? Doesn't even
3: exist. Like that's not even a real accent, right? I
4: don't know what that is. Right. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really
3: exist. But <laughs> yeah. like you know, the Beatles basically sound American they most of the time. Hard. They try. Yeah. yeah, but I'm saying so. In other words, like the, the language of music, which is you know. Melodious is like a kind of neutral American thing. the exa- the The counter examples I actually like a lot, like Billy Bragg, who could not sound less American. Of course, of course, he's not. You like that stuff, Jack? You into the
4: old uh, Billy yeah. Bragg? Yeah, good stuff, right? How about like the Michael McDonald accent? Well, how does that go? That's I. I'm not going to do it.
1: Wait, <laughs> Dave, you, you the guy
4: it. from the Doobies? No, no. The, the guy, the, you know, the piano playing, singing, soulful. No, I think that's the guy from the Doobies. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe he was in the Doobies.
3: Oh, I can't do the do the doobie cause the doobie you have to like yeah, <laughs> like you can't like you can't outdoobie the doobies. You know what I mean? Even George Clinton uh gave a shout out to the doobie brothers. You know what I mean? Anyway. Uh my language has been murdered. Anyway, so should yeah. we should Thanks we get for to that? What? Yeah. I said thank you for that. So should we uh, now that you've insulted her entire country and said you have no <laughs> desire to go there.
1: I didn't insult her.
3: Oh, uh, I, I, look, I didn't insult you I just insulted your whole country. That's all. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lived there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were born there. Like, it's part of your heritage and your culture and everything. But, you know, it's not you I don't like. It's your whole country. <laughs> you know what I mean?
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's not right. I can't believe you don't want to go. What about you, Jack? I, with all due respect to everybody there, <laughs> I, I'm with the stars on this one. What the uh, hell? I'm, on my list of places, yeah. it would be kind of yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, uh, convince me otherwise, I guess. I
3: don't know. I mean, you know, it's like how many marsupials do we have? Like one I don't or two?
1: Care.
3: Like a possum? <laughs> like the worst marsupial. We have like the but worst I don't marsupials.
1: Care. Like what do you want to do with them?
3: What about platypus? You don't like the but platypus not, do not with a marsupial. what?
1: What like what's the point?
3: You don't What's the point of anything? What but do you what actually are you like? Do with them? Stas, you you're don't like, like I'm going on don't a don't like-
1: temple tour of Thailand and you're like I'm going to go see marsupials. Like
3: what? temple tour of thailand <laughs> they've uh, look i'm they, with you
4: <laughs> you, know, <laughs> I'm, I'm so you with go it.
3: off the coast of new caledonia very rich uh, in uh, in strange conifers and strange plants in general look all i'm saying is is like you know since when are you interested in freaking temple no tours, i'm saying what
1: sounds the distance is you know yeah kangaroos
3: same. hopping on out the outback you don't want to see the outback
1: no no i don't have any interest none
3: some Zero. of the oldest living things on Earth yeah. are out there. Great Barrier Reef. Don't care. The Great Barrier Reef doesn't get. <laughs> no, it for that you? sounds good. All right, thank you, Mom. Go to
1: Hawaii, like you know, Hawaii, like for the for waves and stuff. Yeah. No, I'm not. You're not
3: catching no, no. a wave and sitting on top of the freaking uh, yeah, world styles. Let's know, be honest. Like- <laughs> oh jeez, is that a call we got to save me from from like my it is, uh- my hateful crew here? Yes, uh, caller, you are on the air.
5: Okay. Um, this is uh, Jasper calling in from Sweden. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you?
3: All right. So you're having problems locating uh, which chiller to use, right?
5: Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yep. So, uh, for those of you that uh, it been t- taking a while, so Jasper's putting together a rotovap setup in Sweden, and he's looking at uh, Buki, who are uh, you know manufacturers of the rotovaps, and they also make uh, a lot of uh, chillers. And the question is, how cold uh, does it does it need to go? So, my old uh, work when I back before I was using liquid nitrogen in my rotovap, I was using a polyscience chiller. The polyscience chiller made it down to about minus twenty degrees uh, Celsius. Which is about
5: and what uh, chilling power
3: very low. So, so, what happens is, is that what you do is, is you you have a relatively large reservoir of either glycol or alcohol, right? And you get the whole reservoir down to a, you know minus twenty and change, and then uh, during the distillation process, the um, the condenser heats up, but. Uh, so, like, at the beginning, so like, if you do your standard uh, thing where you're putting a, a liter of spirits into your into your thing plus whatever uh, you've added. So, like, a liter of spirits plus, let's say, like, 200 grams of, like, peppers or herbs, whatever, right? So, uh, usually off of that liter, um, if I start with 40% alcohol, uh, I'm going to end up with roughly somewhere between 600 mils. And 700 mils of distillate. So that, those are usually my parameters. That's usually where I'm working, okay, when I'm doing alcoholic distillations. Yep, yep,
5: yep. So,
3: so when I'm running um, uh, the, the PolyScience chiller, I'll start out my distillation at, like, minus 20 or so. And by the time I'm done, uh, I'm, I'm much higher temperature, like minus 4, minus 5, right, which is where, the, where it can maintain forever because that's where, it's, that's where the chilling power is equal to the um, – Uh, equal to the heating power of my uh, thing, right? Okay. Yep. So the the thing is is that early in the distillation when you get the much more fugitive stuff, right, the the stuff that boils uh, more easily and is harder to capture, more important to have those uh, low, low temperatures at the beginning of the run versus at the end of the run. And so um, I never minded so much that the temperature would rise over the course of the run. Now, you don't want it ridiculously underpowered or having a very, very small reservoir because then the temperature changes are immediate, right? So, you know, the one that I was using, the reservoir was uh, was a lot. It was like, uh, I want to say, like, seven liters maybe, uh, uh, seven, eight liters of uh, stuff in the reservoir. And so, you know, I had a good bit of... um, a good bit of stuff that was down at temperature to start my my distillation run with. Now, also remember that when you are – you know, when I was doing lower temperature, uh, or I should say higher temperature distillation using a chiller, I also had the. Uh, I was pumping product uh, out of my column as it was going. So as it was heating up, I didn't really have a lot of danger of uh, the stuff that was in the receiver flask re volatilizing and going up through my stack and out through the uh, vacuum vent. So you can. Um, you can get around that problem either by chilling your receiver flask right which works um, yep, yep. or putting a pump onto uh, that onto that spherical joint at the bottom where the receiver is, or a third option that I never did was just install uh like a small dry ice uh, Trap in between. So, so, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, so we're talking about a big distillation rig that's hooked up to a vacuum pump. And typically, uh, one of the issues on these vacuum pumps is they get. Uh, if you if you start pumping vapor through the vacuum pump that is with your product, you're losing flavor. One and two, you're deg- you know you're degrading the vacuum level because it can't really pump. Uh, you know vapor other than dry air it can't it doesn't want stuff recondensing in so there's a little bottle called a wolf bottle and uh, the wolf bottle is a something that goes in between your vacuum controller and your um And and your your condenser column. And what you could do there is you can just put – instead of like a standard wolf bottle, you can basically make a little like super cold trap. So you could put like a little bit of dry ice or a little bit of uh, LN in there and then you have a secondary trap to recondense any stuff that's going to go through. And then right at the end of the run, you can just – because it's a small trap, it's not your main trap, you can pour your liquid – into the, into the uh, wolf bottle to, to thaw out anything that yep, yep, you, yep. you've got in. So those are the options that you can do. But uh, so uh, you wrote in to me on Twitter, I think like last night or something, but uh, I haven't had a chance to try to talk to Tony yet, that uh, Tony Canegiaro, our good friend uh, over at uh, 69 Coldbrook Row, is Zetter townhouse and the drink factory in um, in the U.K., who has a couple of rotovaps and does, uses a chiller that only gets down to, what do you say, minus what?
5: 9 uh, plus 10 at yeah. 300 watts so it surprised me a little bit that uh, it was that high uh,
3: that's not just just not true i just don't believe that i just don't believe it at all but i w- uh,
5: need do i Neither do i
3: yeah i'll uh, i'll,
5: I'll but i got I, I got that the fact uh, data from BUCU B- themselves
3: yeah i don't know i mean look uh, what I would do is I would uh, – if you find uh, the, drink fact, the Drink Factory, um, I, you know, I was going to tweet them out later and then CC you on it or you can CC me and the Drink Factory on a tweet and just say, hey, look, we're looking to get a uh, chiller and Bukie lied to us and said you had this. And they'll tell you exactly what setup they're running. I don't believe – because Tony likes to run his distillations even lower than I do, right? So, you know, I'm running my – you know, look, it's a little bit of a lie Right, so like I'm running my water bath at 50 uh, Celsius, and he's typically running, or used to be, back when I was working with him on the rotovaps, he was running his uh, bath at like 40 Celsius. Now, as you know, the temperature of the water bath in a distillation rig is not the same thing as the temperature the distillation is taking place at, because yeah. you know the the harder the harder you're distilling, you know, uh, the greater the temperature difference between the um, between the water bath and the actual product and i and i don't know what kind of glass he uses but i only use fairly thick wall plastic coated glass and so i i have a i have one of the one of the higher temperature deltas between my bath and the product so you know my standard operating procedure is to always place the back of my hand um because the front of my hand is too callous that's why i use the back of my hand to test everything styles did you know that I always use the back That's because, right. yeah, because I can't sense temperature with my fingertips anymore. Mm. Just because you know whatever, so I use the back of my hand on the uh, on the neck of the rotating uh, distillation flask to judge the true temperature of the vapor because that equalizes out pretty much where the vapor is. So that can give you an idea of what you're um, kind of where where you're distilling. So, like I say, it's hard to judge, but I know that he likes to run his stuff down at like forty. So if he's running his stuff at forty, like even like the way that Bukey wants you to do it like they want at least 20 degrees uh what do they want no they want 40 right i think they want 40. they have
5: 40 in difference yeah
3: yeah and so like that wouldn't even work because it would need to go to even to zero based on uh on his and if it only went to 10 you could even though europeans tend to have a hatred of ice machines compared to americans like you could just use a freaking ice bath at that point and so it wouldn't make sense do you know what i mean Doesn't make sense to me, 10 degrees Celsius. Doesn't make any sense to me at all.
5: No, I, I, it doesn't make it for me either. But however, do, do you have like a number? Because I, I understand everything you say, but what I can't figure out is like a chilling power at minus 20 C, uh, like a number for that, because I don't have a good feeling for that. It, it's like 300 watts, okay? Or is it 200 watts, okay? Or, I mean, it, it, yeah, uh, so, it it's so, so quite the, a lot in, in price if you go from uh, 200 to 400 watts at minus 20 for instance. So
1: uh, it right. makes
5: a hell of a difference.
3: Right, so I would look at, so let, let's say you have like a, I don't really, I don't remember anymore, but let's say you have like an eight liter bath, right? And I would look at what its performance is at like minus five Celsius and I would kind of maximize that number and then I would, um, and then I would just see, I don't think mine had 200 watts at, I don't think mine had 200 watts at minus 20. I think it was like 100. It's been a many, many, many years. I could try to go look up the old uh, numbers on my PolyScience, but you know its sweet spot was down around minus five or minus six uh, Celsius. Sure. That's where the majority of its power was, and then um, and then it just you know the power went down. You know, you know. Listen, people. Like anytime you reduce the uh, temperature on a refrigeration unit like this, you reduce the number of actual watts of cooling power it has, even though you're not reducing the usage of power that the machine has. It just becomes less efficient. So... um so, yeah, so I would bet that, like, 200 watts at minus 20 is fine as long as you have, like, you know, a corresponding, you know, big wallop of power when you get down to minus 5. And then you get kind of a natural gradation as you go. Because remember, towards the end of your distillation, you're pumping mostly water, and you don't really want freeze-up on, uh, on your coils. You want it to drip down no, into no. the receiver. Yep, yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll like either tweet me and, and uh, also tweet the Drink Factory. or I'll try to remember later on today to see what kind of unit they use because I know that you know they're running them day in and day out, and they use only stuff that you can get in Europe. And I guarantee you that they do not use something that uh, only gets down to uh, to ten. Plus ten. Yeah. No. It just uh. it doesn't make any sense. No matter what Bukey says. Yeah. Remember, okay. B- Bukey makes great equipment. They're not cooks. You know. <laughs> you know. It's, it's, no, it's no, no, no. Yeah. It's that simple.
5: Okay, um, Dave. Thank you very much for your um, information. Right. Uh, I will make a tweet and a you on that one. To, cool, um, Tony. All right, we'll okay. fi- we'll figure Thanks it out.
3: So Thanks a lot. lot. All right, cool. All right, bye right. bye. Bye. All right, now back to uh, back to Peggy's uh, question in Aus- in Australia. And by the way, uh, she I don't what, what's this emotic What's this What's this emoticon?
1: Happy face.
3: But it's not a happy. face. It's like a happy rising sun.
1: I think it's a new G- uh, G- Gmail happy face.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. so like I don't know how to use uh emoticon, so I literally just write out what the emoticon is, and my favorite is
1: smiling pile of poo.
3: Smiling pile of poo, and have we mentioned on on we've mentioned on air how much I am upset that Siri won't come out and just say smiling pile of poo unless you text it to me, right, right. Jack? Have we talked about that? No, really. So it turns out. That uh, if, like, let's say Booker or Dax sends me a bunch of emoticons, or let's say Stas does it because, you know, she has the same kind of mentality that they do, sends me an emoticon, and I do as well, come on, to be honest. Like, that says, uh, that's that smiling pile of poo, right? Smiling pile of poo. And then you say, please read me, Na- Siri, please read me Nastasia's, uh, you know, uh, text. And it'll go. Nathalia Lopez wrote "Smiling pile of poo." Smiling pile of poo. Smiling pile of poo. But if you just go, Siri, say "Smiling pile of poo," she won't do it. Mm. Is that right? It's weird. Isn't don't don't we? All, isn't it a machine? It's not a human, right?
1: Well, she'll read you what you get, but she will not be told what to. do.
3: That's the equivalent of someone who like sings NWA lyrics and drops N-bombs like they're, like it's raining and doesn't like – and oh, but won't say it. Oh, I won't say it if you just ask me to say it. But if I'm quoting an NWA lyric, well, then I can just say it left and right, which is not true. It's not true either well, you can series, say it or you can't say it. supposed
1: to have some morality and that's where we have Well then she shouldn't say your text. She should be like, robot.
3: "Dave, I won't repeat what Nastasia right. says because right. she has foul language," right. Right? right? Or like some sort of like substitution like you do when you're quoting rap songs. Jack, you substitute when you quote rap oh, songs. Yeah.
4: yeah, of course just you go do. Go with the silence on the word, yeah. You, oh, really? You blank yourself out? Yeah.
3: Do you mean, know what the, who is like remember when um, 9 inch nails used to do their radio edit stuff and they would literally just blank out the freaking song during the during yeah, the curses? Yeah. I was like, wow, that was strong. Cause, because, like up until that point, most radio edits I knew they would just insert a different word, you know what I mean, or record a separate version. But like, the, he's like, I'm not going to change my song, man. You're just going to get silenced during that part. You see, Trent Reznor, for as much of a jerk as he probably was, like, he made some baller moves, yeah?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: All right. Anyway, back to this question. I don't know. How, how do I get into what? The, what is wrong with me? Do I need to take some sort of medication stuff? I think you
1: do. Uh, We talked about this before. Yeah. Therapy. Uh, Okay. Uh,
3: Peggy again writes in, I love my little Anova circulator, but like some others who have written in too, I have big issues with the landfill aspect of low-temperature cooking. I use Ziploc bags as much as possible, but they have limited reuse before they fail. By the way, Dave, uh, great job on nailing down SC Johnson about cooking in their bags. That was a long time ago. Remember that? When I finally was like, hey, can I cook in the freaking bags I can, right? They're like, yes, you can. Uh, using rolls of thick bagging material and a domestic sealer, I can start with a stupidly long bag length, uh, length, uh, and for each use sacrifice only an inch or so from one sealed edge, uh, more environmentally friendly as well as frugal, but washing all these used greasy bags. Do you like greasy or greasy? greasy. I like greasy.
4: I know. Me too. Yeah. Greasy.
3: Uh, bags of either sort is just nasty, which is true. Uh, Pondering reusable options. Is there a preferably non-toxic – and this is where this rising sun smiley like – although the – I'm not going to get into it. uh, High temperature melting wax that could be used uh, as a coating for meats. Assuming it was possible to formulate such a wax, would it be theoretically able to transfer heat well enough? Uh, It would have to – uh, it would be great to have a coating slash skin that I could peel off, remelt, and reuse. From what you know about materials, is this even a possibility, or am I just dreaming? Is it just me, or would anyone else use something like this? I also kind of like the idea of peeling back a coating to reveal the magic, like with some cheeses. Oh, you remember the baby bells? Mm-hmm.
1: They're still around.
3: Yeah, you know, Booker loves those things, and he likes to peel the wax, and he mutilates. The- I'm sure you also a wax mutilator. I don't uh, eat those. Even when you are a kid? mm what about, like, any wax coating on a cheese? No. Jack? Jack they, I'm,
4: a, I'm a wax mutilator.
3: You're a wax mutilator?
4: Big time. Oh, yeah. Because it's fun. Oh, yeah. Do
3: you like, Stas, do you like those wax candies, like those yes. wax lips? You
1: know I like all those wax bottles that you won't let me eat. Nickel nips? Yeah.
3: No, I was buying those for my freaking brother. That's why I didn't no, give them to No, you wouldn't let me
1: eat them in the car. What? In your car. You said what? your car would get dirty.
3: I did not. I, yes, people, did. anyone who knows me know that's a ridiculous Dave, thing to say. Dave, anyone who's met me or the fact that like I carry my lab. there's going
1: to be candy dust everywhere. This is when you first got your car. No no, now,
3: no, no, no. First of all, there's no dust from a nickel nip. It's a liquid wax phenomenon. I just probably knew that like you were going to crumple up the wax and like, no, you know what? No, 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 I remember, no I'll no, ask who's no. with us. No one. Piper. No. But I can't. No, no, no. This is crap. First of all,
1: I should record everything.
3: You should, and in full context, no like weird editing. Nastassia is the queen of weird editing. I don't
1: know how to edit.
3: You know, no. I mean, like Nastasia. Like, well, Nastasia will like do like a big Socratic thing where she drags you through a half an hour of arguments and like with like like a billion conditions, and then like, okay, in the event that you know I was on an island and an airplane and and, and blah, blah blah blah, and it ends up with you cutting your foot off and eating it, and then she's like, that's that's what. But then when you talk to someone else, be like, Dave wants to cut off his foot and eat it. No, I don't. It's just like if you give me a whole bunch of things that lead up to it, would I cut off my foot and eat it? Also, if that's, that's what. Never
1: the one. That we talk
3: about please family show <laughs> um okay so back to the question um Coating wax coating, so like you know, I'm thinking something like a, a butarga. Look, obviously, it'd be possible to get a a wax coating that would melt at a high enough temperature, but I think you're going to have problems. Remember, if it melts at that high temperature, uh, then you'd have to get it up to that temperature to dip the uh, meat into, and if it was that hot when you were dipping the meat into it, it would start steaming the um, it would start steaming the the moisture that was in the meat. So I think you'd have. Uh, I think you'd have problems, basically. But now, there could be, um, for instance, like a, a self-sealing wax or something like this that you could just press onto the wax to, to, to do it. I think in the future what's going to happen isn't necessarily – although I do actually kind of like the idea that you have a steak and then you peel back the wax and then kind of sear it. You don't like that idea, mm-hmm. stuff? I kind of like that idea. What color is it in your mind?
1: The wax red.
3: Red? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking – not black. I hate powdered black wax everywhere, like from like uh, – like or like, I actually I hate the powdered wax from like the uh, liquor bottles. I hate the powdered wax everywhere because it, when it gets old, it gets dry and brittle, mm. right? Don't you hate that? And then it's like crum- crumpling everywhere, and you're like, why is this happening to me? But um, in my mind, it's that weird translucent beeswax color. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a like a Matthew Barney sculpture. Mm. Anyway, um, I think the future here, uh, Peggy, is that someone's going to uh, do. Um, like a a, a bioplastics bag that can be composted i mean that's what's going to happen right now it's uh somewhat difficult uh for a number of reasons because they don't last long and uh, hard processing and stuff like this but someone's going to make up a a, a bio um, compostable bag that uh works and then we just won't feel bad about it what do you think so would you we, people wouldn't feel bad about it if it was like corn plastic right right yeah what do you think jack sugar plastic
4: yes sorry sugar, yeah. sugar
3: plastic is that your new band? Sugar plastic. Uh, but there's all, there's people who make those resealable silicone things, but just the idea of reusing those bags and not getting them 100% clean, the thought of like my dishwasher stuffed full of bags with like greasy crap, and then when you don't put rinse aid in your dishwasher and then it leaves those little particles, don't you hate that? Mm-hmm. Hate it. Hate it hate. Okay. Uh, and she writes in a quick response to why anyone would want to eat tomato blossoms. Remember we had someone saying that and be mm-hmm. like, you're getting rid of tomatoes. Peggy brings up a good point here. If you want to increase the size of tomatoes, you can thin out the blossoms or baby tomatoes, leaving the others to grow larger than they would have done with, uh, with the competition. Well, flowers probably wouldn't kill you unless you ate lots, have you ever tasted them? Not a flavor I'd go looking for again. I suspect the person inquiring about their edibility has not yet tried one. Garden Betty had a post on uh, what. She she could find out about tomato plant toxicity, but I was unable to access her sources. Long story short, she now uses some tomato leaf uh, in her tomato sauce as a seasoning. Uh, and she thanks us for uh, the show. Uh, by the way, with um, tomato, remember back – have I ever done the distillation of tomato leaves for you?
1: Yeah. Yay, yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. That's yeah, really
3: good. I love that. So, like, for any of you who have a valve out there and can do, uh, like, low temperature distillation, at the end of the season, after you've gotten all your tomatoes in, but you still have greenery, take the greenery and turn it into a distillate and that stuff. My
1: greenery has small
3: spiders on it. Well, we tell that story on the air, right? Mm-hmm. How, like, you shipped these parasites from California into your New York garden and obliterated everyone's tomatoes. And now people – but, Yeah, but, you, but because you don't control the garden, you can't have tomatoes not planted for a year. And no one there understands that, like, in order to kill this California pest, they need to let the land lie fallow for a couple of years because, like, every plant you have has this, like, agricultural nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows, you know? I don't know. Maybe it'll spread. Maybe you've ruined the entire Eastern Seaboard. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, should we take a break, Jack? Yeah. Yes. All right. Coming back, back with cooking issues.
2: Hello, out there. It's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets, White Leghorn. Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway Butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's heritage turkey, Japanese steaks, Berkshire pork, or Navajo churro lamb chops is the righteous kind from healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at heritagefoodsusa.com for more information. Save them.
4: So before we get back to the show, Dave, I don't know if you saw, but a little boy came oh, up to it. the glass while me and Stas were doing our pre-show show that nobody gets to hear every week. Pre-show show, mm-hmm. yep, it's called issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, yeah,
3: we just complain. That's how you. That's how you. Uh, that's how you fluff the crowd up with the.
4: Yeah, because that's the opening act. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, nice. And this little boy came up to the uh, the glass window here and held up a napkin that said "We love Hammer." Yeah,
1: and it said. And Jack and Dave, too, in small letters. Right. Yeah. Stop. You
3: were last,
4: Dave. But it was mostly about Hammer.
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's typical. Nastasia, as much as she, like, like, you know what? I'm like, it's not that I'm a jerk. I'm just real. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, really, just wants uh, acceptance, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. wants to be accepted for who she is. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Uh Hey, we got uh we got uh, friend of the program uh uh curious Claire writing in again. And that's yeah, yeah. Claire. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Dave. When is raw too raw? <laughs> when is raw too raw? That's so my
4: favorite question yeah. I think we ever
3: got. Yeah, so now I have the uh I have that Buster I Buster Rhymes is now going through my head. Yeah. Everything we make we make raw. Uh Right? Isn't that what he says?
4: I make sure everything remains raw.
3: Raw. That's it. Yeah. Can we can we call that up?
4: Because I love it so much. Raw. No, we have, don't, we don't we have the rights. To, we don't have the rights to that.
3: Even for like playing like it's like we're like it's a discussion. It's like it.
4: educational. It's right?
3: educational. <laughs> it's like a news program talking about Busta Rhymes. Who you know how you know why Busta Rhymes disappoints me? Right. Because like you know when you're young. Like being like uh, a homophobe, I could be like, "You all, you're young and just ignorant." But he's been around the world like a long time, and he's maintained his kind of homophobic stance. Yeah, which is, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. Uh, when is raw too too raw? Uh, I am scared of meat that is too red because I feel like I'm eating a live animal. At what point does it go from moo cow to dinner? Curious Claire. Okay. So what we have here is a psychological question, right? Because-
1: and I cooked steak last night perfectly, but then she used the searzo on the cut pieces and, like, obliterated it.
3: Well, how thick did you cut the pieces?
1: It was skirt steak, so... So was, thin. Yeah.
3: Okay. So, for instance, you can, like... Okay, so the color of a meat is what people use to judge how done it is, right? But the color of the meat can lie, uh you know quite clearly it can lie because uh the uh myoglobin which is what's providing the color the primarily what's providing the color in the the meat um the color that it takes on when it's cooked is dependent not just on the temperature that it's reached but the environment in which it reaches that temperature so the oxygenation state of it also the rate at which it's heated right so You can take a piece of meat that's cooked uh, low temperature, right? You can overcook it, right? And then when you cut it and you let it sit for a while, undenatured myoglobin will get oxygen hit on it, and boom, it's what we call cherrying up. And it'll just turn this kind of bright, kind of like freaky cherry color. You've seen it happen, right, Stas? Mm -hmm. And this can flip people out, right? Which is why, in general, when you're doing a sliced, uh, when you're doing a low temperature meat that's cooked for a long time, um, especially one that tends to have a lighter background like so you know like a I don't know I don't know but like it, what I'll do is is you slice it right beforehand so it doesn't have a chance to cherry up and then people don't notice or you can throw it flash it under a broiler which is in essence what Claire did with the searzall to just kind of take that color off now you can do it fast enough with the searzall that you don't actually overcook the meat if you're quick I'm sure she hammered the hell out of it because she was worried about it but the uh no insult, you know, uh, but um, the point is is that um, we kind of you know the old saw we taste with with our eyes first, so like i can I can cook a chicken like I say fully through, but it has uh, that persistent pinking at the bones if it cooks slowly enough, and then people won 't eat it, even if they know it 's cooked, so the where things actually become cooked is a It can be measured based on, like, what's happening with the proteins. Where it looks cooked depends on a number of variables that are very hard to control. So, you know... You could shut your eyes, <laughs> you know what I mean like this is like uh, like when i uh, w- when you when I remember when I was doing eggs for, uh, like a long time ago when you first started doing low temperature eggs right they if you 're not used to a low temperature egg that's let's say sixty two degrees which is like the perfect yolk uh, texture and that uh, for like uh, uh, Eggs Benedict, right, and it had, but it has like kind of a, it has kind of a weird look on the white if you're not used to it, right. So for normal folk, we would pass them through simmering water, right. But really, it's just a visual thing because once you coat that egg with hollandaise sauce, ain't nobody complaining. You know what I mean.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, a lot of this stuff is really, really just uh, visual. Now, if you're talking on a textural basis, when's it done? That has a lot to do. Uh, that does have a lot to do with temperature, but also time. So if what you actually want is something that's firmer, and no, less, no, it's
1: not that. It's like, am I eating an animal? Like, look, well, I'm you eating are an eating animal. animal. It's all bloody. Oh, it's bloody. It's blood. It's not
3: really blood, but I know it's not but really blood. It's like mild blood. you know when
1: you put the steak on the plate and juices run out. She's like, duh, blood, get it off. I'm like, Stop.
3: well, even a high temperature cooked meat's going to have those juices. In le- you know, unless you let it rest So you let it rest And if by God If I catch any of you Cooking meat Until the juices Quote unquote Run clear I will find you Like that's overcooking By so much You know what I mean Like what a nightmare Whoever invented that like, Is a hater of food It's like my You know Grandma and grandpa Used to have that like That like Onion soup mix On top of the Microwaved Like piece of beef You ever have that No but I know What you're talking yeah, about Yeah is it dead yet Is it dead <laughs> yeah. Listen Claire Claire. Claire, the animal has died once. Don't kill it again. That's all I'm going to say. You know? Dang.
1: Yes.
3: All right. Did that did I even answer the question? I hope so. I don't know. Jack, you're back there. Did I answer the question? I don't know.
4: Yeah, I think so.
3: When is raw too raw? Look, it, like I say, it's, it, it's a matter. it's a matter of taste. But I will say... Uh, cooks need to take into account the reaction of their uh, diners, right? So, on a skirt steak, how do you cook it, does?
1: Just in a pan. Yeah, but like describe it. Oh, I salted it, and then I put oil in the pan, got it hot, threw it in, flipped it.
3: Okay, a skirt steak is like what, like a centimeter, mm-hmm. centimeter and a mm-hmm. half. How many, how many, how long on each side? I
1: don't know. Three minutes each side, four minutes each side. Oh,
3: so you cooked, you cooked it. I cooked it. Yeah. So what was happening there is you cooked it and uh, you probably didn't let it rest before you sliced it. No, I let it
1: rest and then really? I sliced it. Yeah. Really. For like five minutes, not long.
3: Yeah. Well, you don't want it to congeal and get nasty.
1: So then I cut it and there was, the middle was perfect, but just seeing red. Cesare perfect or perfect, 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 perfect.
3: Cesare Casella Casella, uh, uh, you know one of our good friends. The man likes raw inside meat, char on the outside, mm-hmm. but he uses good meat, so it's fine. Me
4: too. That's how I like it. Yeah,
3: what are you a black? Yeah. And, you're a black and blue man, yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> exactly. All right. Did I tell you what? I was talking to someone? I was like, uh, so she's like, I'm no offense, to people from Pittsburgh. I was like, I was like, uh, hey Pittsburgh, I hear Pittsburgh's a good town. You ever been
4: there, Jack? I've never been there. No, but I want to go. One of the managers here at Roberta's opened a place in Pittsburgh.
3: Really? Anyway, so she goes, yeah, Pittsburgh's great if you like racists. I'm like, wow. Yikes. I did not know that. I think she was just in a bad mood. (laughs) I don't know. know. Someone has to call me and tell me what it's like in Pittsburgh. But I heard it's a nice town. Did I say her? What am I from? St. Louis or something? Anyway. Uh, We got another question in from uh, BJD. Uh, Long time listener, several time emailer. Wanted to try my modern hand at uh, palette de porc à la bière. What does palette mean? Anyway, like like plate, right? I don't know. Yeah, of pork with beer. Uh, I've made it following Bourdain's instructions in the Les Halles cookbook. It was delicious, which probably means do not mess with success. Uh, I've circulated shoulders before smoking in the past. That worked well. Uh, I was wondering about circulating a pork shoulder dish that is traditionally braised. Uh, Would it end up uh, being a final product with only the sauce uh, reminding the diner of the original? Uh, Would it present more like steak? Am I a fool? I have 10 weeks of paternity leave with a four-month-old and a three-year-old. Hey, good luck. Uh, It will be a battle. I'm hoping to dial in some recipe ideas, Sunday suppers. Listen, my memory of being with a four-month-old and a three-year-old because I had that exact thing is like, you know, I'm not planning my cooking time. I'm like trying to plan when I can go pee. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's like when can I just like or a shower? Imagine like taking a shower. You're like, oh, a shower. Anyway, uh, I'm hoping to dial in some recipe ideas, Uh, Sunday suppers with my circulator and my new uh, Rock espresso maker. uh, Well, is the Rock is that? Does anyone know? Is that the one with the two levers, or is that some new one that I don't know? Electronic. I gotta look it up. I didn't look it up beforehand. Uh, because I was testing some new equipment. By the way, I shouldn't say this The reason I might not be as prepared today as I normally am is because I was testing some new equipment that we'll be talking about soon. That uh, Booker and Dax is working on. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, Stas, mm-hmm. Stas, Nastasia is the sole determiner of when we discuss the specifics of what we're doing uh, on air. It's, it's- I would discuss it now. Really? <laughs> yeah,
1: I know.
3: Well, I mean, like, don't we have to see what we need to protect or no? No. And nah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll maybe, let me finish the question here. Um, any tips on things to try with either my circulator or uh, ROK? It says espresso in quotes. I got to look up what it look up what it is. Does R O what R O K capital R capital O capital K? I want to master whole muscle meats uh, that can get us through a week. Uh, I'll stop ty- typing and listening in two days. Uh, very respectfully, BJD. Okay, so uh, congratulations on uh, the uh, four month old. Um, look. Uh, in my uh, experience which is oh yeah it is the one with the lever uh, in my ex- i haven't had i haven't used that thing for infusion so uh, i don't know but i hear it's a very nice machine for making espresso so you're going to need it so i would keep pounding out those double shots so that you can uh, you know have your brain uh, working um, my i have extensive experience in doing braises uh, in both the bag and in um, in tradition if you want something to taste like a traditional braise, a braise, right, then you have to extremely over-reduce the sauce that you're using because the um, there's no reduction inside of the bag, right? So what happens is, is you make a, a sauce that you think is good uh, and you're like, oh, that's going to be good. You use a stock. You make it rich. Then you put your uh, seared piece of meat into the bag and then uh, as it cooks – The uh, moisture leaves the meat Right, uh, And as the moisture leaves the meat, it waters down uh, the sauce. The sauce is no longer the perfect flavor level. It's been watered down. And so now when you pull out, instead of tasting like a braise, the, the example I always use, it tastes like a pot à feu. It's good, but it's not necessarily what you're looking for. It's more of a poached uh, or a cooked in broth kind of a situation rather than a braising phenomenon. If you want something to taste braised, you have to go extremely reduced on uh, the sauces and stocks that you put in, like ping-pong ball kind of uh, reduction. The other thing is, in a braise, any veg that you put in, you should pre-cook the veg because the veg will not cook... In, uh, in the bag. So typically what I'll do is I'll sweat out all of the stuff, uh, pour in the uh, stock, reduce or whatever, you know, whatever sauce, reduce it down until once it's hard, once it's done, it's like ping pong ball uh, consistency of gelatinousness. Then I'll sear the meats, throw them in and, and, and go to it. But now you're looking at having a much kind of a longer uh, procedure. Now, even if you did that, what happens is, is that let's take, uh, you could take a pork shoulder or you could take a short rib or you can take a, um, you could take like a cockle vin. any like, pick any braise that you want. Um, What tends to happen is if you were to do a side-by-side tasting between a traditionally done one and a one that's done in a circulator, most people, if you present them as being a traditional braise, will choose the traditional one. And the reason is that it is uh, just a – things tend to taste more meaty, uh, right? They taste more like people traditionally want them. If you – Bend your expectations, and you tell people that what they're because, for instance, in a traditional braise on a piece of beef, uh, that beef will get that kind of stringy braised texture, and and the the gelatin will melt out of the meat and get everywhere, and so you'll have that kind of gooey. You like that stuff, right? That stick to it, Mm -hmm. like stick to your ribs, gooey kind of like texture thing that people like. Whereas low temp, it's or with pork, it's the same thing. Low temp, the meat is going to retain its shape. It's going to retain a lot more of its moisture. it's gonna have a different overall taste and texture, and in, if you don't prime people for it, then they tend to prefer the kind of traditional one. Even though I think that the the low temperature one is like a delicious product in its own right, and so that can be an issue on things like confit or other long things. I'll tend to when I want to do it in a bag because bags can be convenient, right? So you cook it in a bag then you can save it and it doesn't degrade over time so you can you know have it over the course of a week but when i'm doing things like that i'll typically do them at traditional temperatures so that i have that kind of traditional taste and texture uh and so you can do that with a bag another thing you can do and i can't believe i'm saying this but if you want to do these long because i don't even have one crock pot you ever have a crock pot
1: and when i was a kid
3: Did you enjoy this stuff? You could do like a traditional braise in a crock potty kind of a situation and then uh, bag hot, exclude the air and then refrigerate and you'll get a lot of the advantages of, of both things. I don't think I believe I've ever suggested that. But anyway, it depends on what you like. For oh, I'm about to go. So listen, Stas thinks I'm going to talk to her off air, and we'll come back. I have some more questions I didn't get to. I'll get to them uh, next week. I hope you know, unless I need to do another catch-up thing. But uh, maybe next week we'll talk about uh, our, our project that we're working on. Yeah. Well, this has been
4: that's cooking. a cliffhanger.
3: huh? Oh yeah, cliffhanging cooking issues. <laughs>
4: for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at Heritage Radio, Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.